are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks. Today is Wednesday, September 16th, 2020. I am your host, Jack Bushman. Tuning in for the 209th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. You'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day, so please be sure to go do that. Also, please go follow our Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, with some really good stuff being posted there every day. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, as I talked about on yesterday's episode, we are now just three weeks away from the 2020 NHL Draft, where the Chicago Blackhawks have the 17th overall selection. And if you tuned in yesterday, then you heard me talk a lot about 2020 goaltending prospect Yaroslav Askarov, who the Blackhawks could possibly take at number 17, or they might consider trading up in the draft a few spots if he is in fact their guy. But today, I want to talk about 18-year-old forward Dylan Holloway, who spent last season as a freshman at the University of Wisconsin, along with Alex Turcotte and Cole Caulfield, two first-round picks in the 2019 NHL Draft. And Holloway himself has been deemed as a projected mid-first-round pick by most scouts. And TSN's Bob McKenzie actually had him at number 16 in his final draft rankings. So Holloway very well could be on the board when the Blackhawks are on the clock with pick number 17. And breaking down Holloway's game a little bit, he's a big kid for being just 18 as he's already 6'1", 6'2", and roughly about 203 pounds. Another kind of power forward like mold, much like Kirby Doc. And we know that right now the Blackhawks are trying to add some size to their forward group. It was very clear in the postseason, especially against Vegas, that they're going to need some more size in their top six with guys like Patrick Kane uh, and Alex Dabrinka and Dylan Strom, not really guys that are physical and win very many board battles. Uh, But Holloway, he plays a gritty game. He picked up 49 penalty minutes actually in 35 games with Wisconsin this season. So he's not one to shy away from contact or getting in a skirmish, play kind of a physical game. Uh, Even for someone with high-end skill, he put up 17 points in 35 games this season, which isn't great, but also as a freshman, that's not bad by any means. And before going to college, he led uh, his junior league, the AJHL, with 88 points in 53 games en route to being named the league MVP there. So he sounds like a guy who can sort of do it all as a two-way forward. And taking a look at some of the scouting reports on Holloway, who is a left-handed forward that currently plays both center and the wing at this point in his career, Uh, I've read some reports that say because of his gritty play and strong uh, two-way ability, he could have a chance to play center at the NHL if his face-off ability allows him. Um, But the two things that I read that stand out about his game to me that I read and also I watched some highlight tapes on him, uh, the two things that stand out to me are 
his speed and his just his compete level. Holloway, he's been described as an exceptional skater with a tremendous first step and really uh, impressive acceleration, which can lead to trouble for defensemen in transition off the rush. Uh, and Holloway, he's also really good on his edges, I've noticed. He can change directions quickly to win a lot of one-on-one battles. And he also uses his speed on the defensive side of things as well. He's really good at getting back in transition to provide a strong back check. There's a lot of good clips of Holloway making some solid defensive plays on the back check last year at Wisco. And he should only get faster as he gains weight and gets stronger in the next couple of years He's probably going to play, he's definitely going to play at least one more season at Wisconsin before turning pro, but I wouldn't even be surprised to see him possibly play two. Um, but that combination of size and speed is why he's expected to be a top 20 selection in the first round. Uh, and I- I've seen Holloway also described as a coach's dream because of his willingness to kind of do all the little things necessary to win games. And when you watch the tapes, he's noticeably physical all over the ice. He's not afraid of contact or to stick his nose in the dirty areas. And that, I think, is exactly the type of player the Blackhawks need right now. Someone who almost enjoys a physical style of play. And that's Holloway to a T, so... I like what I've seen from this kid in his highlights. I like what I've read about him as a player. And I think his game is just what the Blackhawks need right now. I think he has a good kind of game that can translate to the NHL at the moment. The NHL's only getting faster, and he's someone who likes to take advantage of his speed, especially in the neutral zone. I also like what he re- what he brings defensively. He can play on the penalty kill, which, you know, having that option for, you know, maybe a middle six projected forward, someone who could maybe be a first liner. That's a tremendous advantage. So Dylan Holloway, I really like everything that I've seen on him. So if the Hawks do in fact wind up selecting Dylan Holloway, who by the way, he played with Blackhawks prospect Wyatt Kalanick last season. So I'm sure the Hawks saw a lot of Holloway while scouting Kalanick as well. So if they do end up taking Holloway at 17 from everything I've seen from the kid, I think it would be a solid addition to a forward group that is certainly lacking prospect depth at the moment. So I think that is just about everything I wanted to mention about 2020 NHL draft prospect Dylan Holloway, who could be on the board when the Blackhawks are on the clock with the 17th pick in the draft. Coming up in just a moment, I am going to talk about Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Final between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Islanders, and also the latest news on former Blackhawks assistant coach Mike Kitchen, who spent last season under the same role with Joel Quenville in the Florida Panthers. But first, I need to talk to you all about Roman. Roman handles everything from treatment to delivery of brand name ED medication. Genuine, doctor-prescribed medication from U.S. licensed physicians. Go to GetRoman.com slash LockdownNHL today, and if approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Roman can be prescribed online and delivered right to your front door. So be sure to go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOnNHL today. And if you're approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment from U.S. licensed physicians. I also need to talk to you all about DoorDash, the best place to order the food you love online or through the DoorDash app. 
DoorDash has all your favorite eats near you for order delivery and for pickup with real-time order updates, contact-free delivery, and loads of restaurant reviews from other users. Right now, you can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKEDONNHL in all caps. Once again, DoorDash is the best place to order your favorite food online for order delivery or for pickup. And if you use the promo code LOCKEDONNHL in all caps, you can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app. This is the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening today. I am your host, Jack Bushman. Be sure to check out my personal Twitter page at JackBushman2 and my Blackhawks Twitter page at TalkinHockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. Also, be sure to subscribe and follow Lockdown Blackhawks for free wherever you may listen to your podcast and also on Twitter to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. So we just finished talking about 2020 NHL draft prospect Dylan Holloway. Now I wanted to talk a bit about Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Final between the Tampa Bay Lightning and the New York Islanders, where the Isles somehow managed to stay alive with a 2-1 double overtime victory last night. Jordan Eberle was the hero for the Islanders to force a Game 6 off a great feed on a 2-on-1 from Captain Anders Lee. It wasn't pretty for the Islanders last night. They were outshot 37 to 24 despite Tampa not having Braden Point in the lineup. And also, of course, Captain Steven Stamkos, who's been out for the entire postseason. But Simeon Varlamov came up big in goal to make a bunch of key saves. And Tampa certainly had their chances to win this game. They had a four-minute power play spanning from the end of regulation to the beginning of the first overtime, but they couldn't convert. Varlamov came up big on a couple of shots. And eventually, Eberle finally seals the deal. So we will have a Game 6 in this series. The Islanders live to fight another day. That Game 6 will be tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Central Time, and it'll be interesting to see if Braden Point will be able to go for Tampa. Head coach John Cooper didn't provide much of an update on Point's status going forward, which in the playoffs, that shouldn't come as much of a surprise. But he's been dealing with this injury for a little bit now. He returned to the lineup for Game 4 after missing Game 3, and then, of course, he wasn't good enough to go last night, so... Definitely something to monitor before Game 6 on Thursday night, but even if Point is out of the lineup once again, it's pretty scary to think that Tampa still has the depth and the firepower to defeat arguably the best defensive team and the best defensive system in the entire NHL, but 
We'll see what happens. Hey, Varlamov kept Tampa to just one goal last night, and he may have to play that well again in order for his team to force a Game 7. On to some other news from around the NHL. Yesterday, it was announced that former Blackhawks assistant coach Mike Kitchen, who spent the 2019-20 season with the Florida Panthers under the same role alongside Joel Quenville, uh, it was announced yesterday that Kitchen will not return to the Panthers for next season amid a report that he kicked a player on the bench in the middle of a game sometime in January, so... Not a good look there for Kitch, who he he's definitely seemed like a fiery coach in the past, but you never want to hear anything of this magnitude come out. And the parent the Panthers apparently held an internal investigation about the matter, and from the looks of how everything went down, he's not going to be coming back next year. The reports seem to be true, which is pretty sad to hear. So Mike Kitchen may be out of a job going forward in the NHL because we've heard these reports come out about a lot of coaches in the past. Mike Babcock and Bill Peters are the first two that come to mind. Mark Crawford, of course, the assistant coach of the Chicago Blackhawks, but they let him keep his job basically because he's been going through counseling and therapy because of the matters. Um, But in the case of Babcock and Peters, those guys, they have not found a job yet. Not to say that they won't in the offseason. There's a decent chance that does happen. But it hasn't been easy for either of them because of that asterisk in their past. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the same thing happen to Mike Kitchen. It's a different NHL today than it was 10 years ago. And none of that crap belongs in the game of hockey anymore. So I definitely think this was the right move by the Panthers. Even though I'm sure Q isn't happy to lose his good buddy Kitch. He was pretty mad when the Blackhawks let him go in Chicago. Um, But Kitchen didn't really leave the Panthers with any other options because of this incident. Alright, I think that will take care of the latest news across the NHL that I wanted to mention on today's episode. Now I think that will take us to our daily Blackhawks 2020 postseason recap segment, where I take a look at one player and discuss how they fared for the Blackhawks during their short postseason run. But first, I need to talk to you all about Bilt Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Bilt Bar is back, and they now have 18 total flavors. Six of them are new, the six new flavors being Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp. All of which, much like the other 12 flavors, are all covered in 100% real chocolate and are soft, easy to chew, and great for the keto diet. Not only are all the bars low calorie and low sugar, but they are also a great source for protein and fiber. So make sure to go to BuiltBar.com today and use the promo code LOCKDOWN in all caps to get $10 off your first order. One more time, be sure to check out BuiltBar.com for a delicious and healthy snack option and use the promo code LOCKDOWN in all caps to get $10 off your first Built Bar order.
This is the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. As always, I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can reach me on Twitter at JackBushman2 or at TalkinHockey, or you can also always email the Lockdown Blackhawks email, which is LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com for any questions you have about the show, myself, or anything that has to do with the remainder of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So we just finished up talking about the New York Islanders forcing a Game 6, and also Mike Kitchen being let go by the Florida Panthers for obvious reasons. Now it's time for our daily Blackhawks 2020 postseason recap segment, with today's feature being Blackhawks 26-year-old defenseman Ole Mata. So... Mata came over last offseason in a trade from the Pittsburgh Penguins in exchange for a fifth-round pick and forward Dominic Cahoon, a.k.a. the Big Kahuna. And Mata's year this season was filled with kind of a lot of ups and downs. He finished with 17 points in 65 games, and at times he was playing really well on both sides of the puck. He was chipping in with some offense as well, but there were also stretches where he was making some poor plays in the defensive zone and making a lot of turnovers. But towards the end of the season, he and fellow defenseman Slater Cuckoo established some chemistry together on the Blackhawks' third defensive pairing, and those two would remain together for a majority of the Blackhawks' postseason run, and they were arguably the team's best defensive pairing in the postseason. They scored a couple of big goals and provided a surprising amount of offense, and Mata himself actually opened up the postseason on a three-game point streak against the Edmonton Oilers, uh, with two goals and two assists in those first three games, and he was also, uh, he also had a plus three, plus minus rating, and again, this was all from a third-pairing defenseman that's not exactly known for his offensive presence, so... Mata was playing out of his mind early on against the Oilers. He was a huge reason why the Hawks were able to win that series in just four games. Uh, and then in the first round against the Golden Knights, Mata went the first two games without registering a point, but he did pick up a goal in Game 3, followed by an assist in Game 4 to keep the, help keep the Blackhawks alive for one more game. So... In total, Mata finished with three goals and three assists for six points with an immaculate plus seven plus minus rating. And actually looking at his uh, game logs, Mata finished as a minus just once in the playoffs. And that came in game two against Vegas where he finished as a, only as a minus one. But besides that, he only had one other game where he wasn't on the positive side of things. He was even in Game 3 against Edmonton, but he was either plus 1 or plus 2 in the other 7 games for the Blackhawks in the playoffs. And even against Vegas, he finished as a plus 3 in that series where the Blackhawks, what, they had the lead once or maybe twice in those 5 games, so... That was some really impressive stuff from Mata. He was really solid in the playoffs, especially on the offensive side of things. Uh, and one other thing that I wanted to mention is Mata finished with at least one shot on goal in eight of the nine playoff games. So he was really involved offensively. Basically, uh, in every game he was providing for the Blackhawks. And he was also doing a pretty decent job of holding it down defensively along with Slater Cuckoo. So I, I just... I'm really impressed from those two in these playoffs. Mata also finished with 22 block shots in those nine games, so well over two block shots per game, and he, he had a pretty significant role. He averaged 18 minutes and 17 seconds of time on ice per night, so 
for me, this is literally best case scenario out of Olimata in the third defensive pairing. So it would be hard for me to give Mata anything other than an A for um, his performance in the postseason. A couple of defensive miscues cost him an A+. He also took a couple of bad penalties. Um, but I still think he was arguably the Blackhawks' most impressive player in these playoffs, and that's saying something when it's Ole Mata. He was really, really good, and the fact that he very may well not be around for the 2020-2021 season, whether it be because the Blackhawks bought him out or because they traded him, as I talked about yesterday, the Hawks are rumored to randomly have interest in Bruins pending unrestricted free agent defenseman uh, Tory Krug and... Olimad is someone who could be sent back to Boston if the Blackhawks do make a sign-and-trade, uh, and that's kind of a tough pill to swallow after such a tremendous postseason, but $4 million for a third-pairing defenseman is a bit much. Even if he is a two-time Stanley Cup champion, maybe if the Blackhawks were in a better cap situation, then that would look better, but as we all know, they aren't, so there is a pretty good chance that Mata may not be around next season. And that's tough to think about after, you know, he was so good. I mean, I just gave him an A for such a solid effort in these playoffs. But we'll just have to wait and see what happens in the next couple of weeks before the Blackhawks have to make any final decisions on uh, their roster before sending the team to training camp in the middle of November. All right, so I think that is going to wrap up Ole Mata's 2020 postseason recap and Wednesday, September 16th episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to subscribe and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out every day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news from the remainder of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Thank you again for tuning into today's episode. I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or my Blackhawks account, at TalkinHockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. For any questions at all regarding anything related to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, you can always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com or call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thank you again for listening to Locked On Blackhawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.